welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show all about high strangeness and everything weird in the world. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking about some of the most horrible hauntings from all across the planet, and they're not in any particular order, just an amalgamation of some haunting tales that I thought you might find interesting. Let's dive right in, shall we? I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. This is, this is the way. This is the way. These, these entities, they would congregate. Now is the time to take risks. Eastern State Penitentiary, Philadelphia, is one of America's prisons that has gained a dark reputation to rival any other haunted prison in the U.S. The Eastern State Penitentiary now resembles a ruin, like a decaying castle, with hints of modernity hiding behind the decay. Al Capone, Willie Sutton, and other famous criminals have stayed in the prison and it was at one time one of the most feared prisons for all criminals in the U.S., as well as one of the most expensive buildings to maintain in the country when it was at its height. In modern times, the penitentiary has become an obsession for many paranormal investigators and basically never disappoints in creeping out any investigator who goes there to research. First constructed in 1821, the prison has since held countless prisoners. The pacifist Quakers of the area loathed the idea of executions or prisoners being abused in jails and stuff like that. They wanted criminals to genuinely think about what they'd done and grow remorseful over their actions. This led to the idea of forced isolation, which nowadays is considered one of the cruelest forms of corporal punishment and is only used in specific and regulated situations in modern times. But back in the 1800s, the prison was all about experimenting with forced solitary confinement of prisoners. The Quakers thought that any unnecessary contact with the prisoners could harm the process of the prisoners coming to terms with what they'd done and starting to become rehabilitated. To ensure this process, they manufactured sensory deprivation masks that would not let them interact with other prisoners no matter what they were doing or where they were going or whatever, so no socializing with the guards or other prisoners other than necessities. There were no visitors allowed, and only a small sliver of light came in the cell from a slit in the roof, and no one was allowed to talk or make any noise, and the only book that they were allowed to read was the Bible. They were stuck there in silence, all day, every day. If a prisoner was caught speaking or trying to talk to anyone, 
they'd have a cast iron gag attached to their heads with a metal extension going onto their tongue causing pressure. In one report, a man was inflicted with the iron gag and was found dead in his cell an hour later. Apparently, they put the gag on so roughly it penetrated his tongue and he bled to death. If inmates really pissed off the guards, there was a messed up punishment they had called the water bath in which, during the freezing winter, guards would dunk a prisoner's head in a bucket of water, then hang them off a wall and leave them there for the night. Most did not survive this punishment. The mad chair was another barbaric device. People in old times thought that mental illness traveled through the body like blood, so a way that they thought they could help mental illness was to strap people to a chair to restrict all movement so blood couldn't pump throughout the body correctly. They were left like this for hours, to days, and prisoners had to have limbs amputated a lot because of the forced, restricted blood flow. By 1923, a lot of the more messed up stuff was phased out of the prison because the public had gotten pissed off at what was going on in there. But that was basically after an entire century of legalized torture. The prison did not close down until 1971, though. Paranormal investigators say the prison is swarmed with tormented spirits that can't move on. The insanity caused by the deprivation, isolation, and other torments seems like a prime place for restless spirits to be made. The accounts of disembodied voices, cold spots, shadowy forms, and basically any paranormal activity you can think of. All of this occurs at the prison. The accounts of paranormal activity at the penitentiary are a vast litany going all the way back to the 1800s when the prison was young. One harrowing encounter concerned a locksmith named Gary Johnson, who was working at the prison to restore cell block 4. He had to remove the 140-year-old lock from the cell, and when he pulled the lock out, he experienced something that changed the way he looked at reality forever. As he opened the cell door, he said a powerful, ineffable force paralyzed him, and he had an OBE, an out-of-body experience. The prison cell began drawing him in like a magnet, and he could see negative energy bursting from the cells, as if some kind of block had suddenly been released. Within, he saw distorted and erratic faces of hundreds of people coming out of every cell wall, a look of anguish across all their faces. When he returned to his body, the world went back to normal. His conclusion of what happened was esoteric, and he thought he might have assisted in releasing some of the tormented souls trapped within the prison. But this is just one of countless ghost stories concerning Eastern State Penitentiary. Objects move on their own, cell doors slam throughout the night with no one there, disembodied moans and ramblings of the insane. These are all common paranormal activities that occur in this closed down ruin of a prison. Tunantunich, Belize. 
Sunantunish was once a thriving city of the Mayans that has been an abandoned ghost town for over a thousand years. The collapse of the Mayans in the area is mysterious, but it is probable that the area was abandoned due to some kind of cataclysm, because some areas at the ruin do show signs of earthquake damage. Horrible things are thought to have occurred both during and after this tragedy, but the city would have a smaller number of inhabitants once again not long after, and it actually limped on for another 300 years until the area was abandoned completely shortly after being consumed by the surrounding jungle. In our terms, this, this city could have been considered a metropolis that had many satellite settlements around it, but the most awe-inspiring site is the pyramid located there, called El Castillo. It is a site of much human sacrifice, both willing and unwilling and spiritually sensitive locals state that the area is absolutely consumed in restless spirits. When it was rediscovered in 1893 by explorers, the paranormal began to occur almost immediately. A man from the research team studying the ruins witnessed the apparition of a Mayan woman, dressed exactly like the ancient Mayans and walking up the pyramid stairs. The entity, as if aware that it was being watched, suddenly stopped in place and then turned around to look directly at the man. She had red glowing eyes, and the man said that the gaze sent a shiver of horror down his spine, freezing him with primordial fear. The apparition then turned back around and continued her ascent up the pyramid before vanishing from sight at the top. The research team scoured the pyramid looking for this supposed woman the man saw, but no one was ever found. The entity has since been labeled as the Stone Lady, which is actually the Mayan word for Tsunantunich, the name of the haunted location. Sightings of the Stone Lady continued. Countless accounts of encounters with her exist, and she has always been described visually in the exact same manner as the first encounter back in 1893. Just who this woman could be is highly speculated upon to varying ideas. Since there is no way to know the true history of the city, there is only folklore to explain her. The most popular idea is that she was sacrificed to the gods at the temple, and it could be a residual haunting. But the woman interacts with people during encounters, according to accounts, so it couldn't be a residual haunting. But there are some who think that the stone lady could be a goddess or some lower divine spirit directly connected to the ruins from beyond. She could have been a demigod or a deity of some sort once worshipped at the site. The Oriental Theater, Chicago on December 31st, 1903, the Iroquois Theater had an internal fire between 3.15 and 3.30 p.m. 602 people burned alive within. Most of the bodies were so badly burnt that they were unrecognizable, and only trinkets and things that could not burn on the patrons remained that could identify the bodies. 
And interestingly enough, the Iroquois Theater had only been open for a short time before the fire. And even more oddly, Chicago theaters often burned down and were rebuilt and burned down again and were rebuilt again all the way through the 1800s. It actually was pretty common. But in all of these other cases, there had never been such a massive fatality rate. And ironically, because of these constant burnings, the Iroquois Theater labeled itself and, um, you know, commercially had the slogan that it was fireproof. It was labeled as fireproof and had all the modern technology of the time to back it up and reduce fire risk. But much like the unsinkable Titanic, the unburnable Iroquois was destined to burn. Let's look at what a newspaper had to say on the topic back then when it happened. Quote, The fire leaped from the stage as if from a furnace door. The draft from the open stage exits behind drove it across the auditorium and upward to the galleries. Over a carpet of the dead, it forced its way through the chimney of the alley doors on the galleries. The newest theater in Chicago, the Playhouse declared to be fireproof, from dressing rooms to capstone, burned till the stage was a steel skeleton, and its wrecked interior a charnel house. Even the fire curtain burned like a rag. End quote. When people ran to the fire exits, they found them to be locked because the owners didn't want people to sneak in and out or allow non-paying customers inside. And this was so they could make as much profit as possible. The human wave that squished many people that crashed against the locked fire exits, this alone caused many of the fatalities. On the balcony, people fled to the fire escapes, but they did not go to the floor and 120 people fell to their death in the alley below, shortly renamed thereafter Death's Alley. The fire escapes from the balcony on the roof were unfinished, and by the time people realized it, it was far too late for anything but a plummet to the concrete below. There was no fire alarm active, so firemen were beyond late to the scene, and when they did arrive, they discovered all the locked doors and the aftermath of the oven within. It was far too late to do anything to help the people that were trapped inside. However, the theater structure itself was actually built extremely well, and it survived the fire. Only everything inside it burned. So after a little renovation, the theater reopened with a new name, the Colonial Theater but the original structure was eventually torn down too to make way for its current theater, the Oriental Theater of Chicago, then the Ford, and in 2019, the theater's name was changed yet again to the Nederlander Theater, but most still refer to it as the Oriental. Casts and crew claim that when they are rehearsing on stage, they can see shadowy figures moving around the darkened balcony because the lights are at a minimum during rehearsals. There are also countless reports of staff seeing apparitions on the back stairs, seemingly in period clothing in sync with when the fire happened. One time cast member and Saturday Night Live performer Anna Gasteyer appeared on the show Celebrity Ghost Stories to talk about her paranormal experiences at the theater. When performing the show Wicked, 
She flew into the air on strings and fog that enveloped her for theatrical drama. And when she was up in the air, she saw gathered groups of people who were quote unquote off and should not be there. Too many people. Families dressed really fancy. But when she landed, the apparitions had vanished. She also once heard the voice of a child when she was alone, then saw children with a woman dressed as if it was the 1920s. She said that at first her actor instinct said that it was just another actor, so she smiled at the woman and the children. The woman's face was icy and unmoving, but the apparition did nod back at her. In Death's Alley, where all the people fell to the pavement during the fire, there was also a lot of paranormal activity that's been reported over the years. People who take photos in the alley sometimes have otherworldly visages that appear in the film that was not visually there when they took the picture. The psychic trauma from the tragedy has inflicted a powerful aura of unease throughout the theater. Phantom voices, smells, and shadowy apparitions are commonly reported here as well as an uneasy feeling of being watched by unseen forces. Himeji Castle Japan. Himeji Castle in Japan is one of the largest, if not the largest, castle in Japan and is home to one of the country's most famous ghost stories. Okiku was a beautiful young woman in the castle, responsible for a valuable collection of ten plates that was a family heirloom belonging to a powerful man who resided in the castle. One day she counted the plates and could only count nine, when there were supposed to be ten. She counted over and over, only to nine, and could not find the tenth plate anywhere. As punishment, she was hung over a well by a rope and beaten, lowered headfirst into the well to near drowning, lifted back up, beaten again, and then lowered again over and over and over until she was dead. They threw her corpse into the well, then covered it up. The man was furious that she'd lost the family heirloom. For centuries, Okiku's apparition has appeared at the well and can be seen counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine and then crying out in despair and looking around in frustration and fear before vanishing. The spirit is seemingly in an eternal cycle of torment, but one can alleviate the restless spirit for a time. When the apparition appears by waiting until Okiku counts to nine and then finishing the count for her by saying ten out loud to her, her spirit becomes relieved and will rest for a time but the apparition does not always stay at the well. Sometimes it goes into the castle to count the plates, and upon reaching the count of nine, look around and wail unnaturally, which horrifies all to the bone who are unfortunate enough to hear it. 
There are many versions of this story, but this sums it up pretty well. One thing you can invest in that does not lose value is gold and silver. There is no better place to go for financial security than GoldCo. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. Get the free 2023 Gold IRA Kit Americans are using to protect their retirement savings. Get your free 2023 Gold IRA Kit at goldcogoldkit.com. GoldCo is a leader in the precious metals industry. From Precious Metals IRA to direct purchases of precious metal coins and bars, we partner with individuals seeking to diversify and safely grow their retirement portfolios. Allow Gold Co. to make your gold and silver investments easy, seamless, and secure. Our investment is in good hands. Chuck Norris, what? Oh, I'm recording. $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E dot com. Is your brain always hungry? Do you have a mental appetite that often goes unsated? You may be suffering from hungry brain syndrome, a debilitating and sometimes life-threatening condition experienced by humans who require double, sometimes even quadruple, the amount of mental nutrition needed to sustain the general population. But now there's help. For years, our dedicated team of world-class researchers have been developing a thicker, more nutrient-dense podcast specifically for sufferers of hungry brain syndrome. And now we want to share it with you. All you have to do is search for our podcast, The Whole Rabbit, in your podcast player of choice and select from one of our delicious flavors like Slovenian succubi, Gnosticism, or Ancient Egypt. It's no wonder The Whole Rabbit is the most recommended treatment for hungry brain syndrome on the market. So what are you waiting for? Try The Whole Rabbit today. Do not listen while deep sea diving. Side effects may include eating carrots and shooting lasers. England is no stranger to ghost stories and could be one of the most haunted areas on the planet, but the ancient Ram Inn is a special kind of creepy. The inn itself could be more than 800 years old and has been enveloped in darkness throughout its whole history, 
Allegedly, the land that the inn resides on was a sacred burial ground for the ancient druids, with rituals undertaken there dating back many thousands of years. And allegedly, this sacred site is built on ley lines that connect to the famous Stonehenge. Ley lines are spiritual energy currents, FYI. And to many paranormal experts, this is a good possibility why so much paranormal phenomena happens at the inn. Lots of paranormal lore revolves around water being a gateway between worlds and associated with paranormal activity. And the inn has been constantly surrounded by water throughout its whole history and was built over underground wells, which according to paranormal lore, act as a conductor for spirit activity. The inn was originally owned by St. Mary's Church which used slaves to build it and work in the surrounding area. Allegedly, there used to be an underground tunnel that connected the inn to St. Mary's Church, but its location has remained a secret or been covered up over time. One of the more recent owners is John Humphreys, and when he came into ownership of the inn, the man claimed to have come across evidence of satanic rituals being practiced there and he said that the inn was oppressed by a demonic presence, including the existence of an incubi and a succubi that repeatedly returned there to assault him in not-so-pleasant ways of a sexual manner. All the demonic calling cards happened while John was alive. He couldn't figure out how to cleanse the area of the demonic oppression before he died, but he did try to nullify it to a degree as best as he could. And other than the demonic influence, there are many other spirits that haunt the inn. A woman said to have been murdered by a highwayman haunts the back area of the inn. In the earth, under the floor, many graves exist, and one in particular was unearthed and, when studied, turned out to be a mother and a child who appeared to have died violently and date back to druidic times, which actually verifies the legends of the ancient age of the pagan site that the inn was built on top of. Shadow figures and disembodied voices have been seen and heard by countless people who have visited here, as well as um, poltergeist-like activity such as objects moving on their own. At the entrance to the barn, haunts the spirit of a man who is only active if a blonde woman is present. The ghost gets grabby with the blonde in an unwanted sexual way, though never has it been reported to be more than just a touch. Within the barn is a seven-foot-tall entity that visually only appears as a tall, smoking mass that will push men that he doesn't like, or even push them out of the barn or out of the doorway if they are standing at the entrance. In a room called the Witch's Room, a woman who once stayed there was ripped from the room and burned at the stake for witchcraft in the 1500s. Though, in the room where her ghost resides, she does not like to be referred to as a witch. There are many documented accounts of people encountering her apparition, 
even little children thought to have been murdered at the inn have been seen with her. Most commonly, the ghost is seen through her window by passers-by. The bishop's room is thought to be one of the worst rooms in the inn because it's haunted by many dark presences. As its name says, it used to be the room where bishops stayed and some of them manifested there after their death. One of the entities is the Black Monk, which is aggressively evil, but most of the entities in the bishop's room are aggressive, so it's just the worst one. Some have also reported seeing a Roman centurion walking halfway in the floor through the room as if the floor height had changed since the spirit originally walked there. In the attic, figures have been spotted on many occasions, as well as dragging noises that don't seem to have any origin or anything up there that could be creating the noise. The attic is thought to be haunted by the owner of the inn's murdered daughter that took place during the 1500s. All in all, this is absolutely some place that you can visit and should visit if you enjoy the paranormal and have the courage to stay a whole night at the ancient Ram Inn. Lep Castle. Lep Castle is a pretty messed up place with a history of gore, murder, and suffering. Some say the castle is not only the most haunted castle in Ireland, but the most haunted castle in the world. The construction of the castle doesn't really add up date-wise, and historians can't really agree exactly when it was created around the 1200s, give or take. However, the family that created the castle is empirically the O'Bannon clan, but it was the O'Bannon's overlords, the brutal O'Carrolls, that really revved up the darkness and that's become permanently associated with this haunted location. Legend says two brothers of the O'Bannon clan challenged each other to leap off the high rock where the castle was built and whoever survived would rule the castle and the clan. But later, the powerful overlord clan, the O'Carrolls, would usurp the castle from their subject clan. In 1513, Gerald Fitzgerald tried to take the castle by military means three times, but failed in each attempt, with a part of the castle being burnt and the castle remained with the O'Carrolls until 1649, when it came into possession of the Darby family. During the English Civil War, Jonathan Darby hid his most prized treasure somewhere in the castle, before later being imprisoned for treason. He killed the two men who helped him hide the treasure, to make sure it remained hidden. However, when he was finally released, the castle had changed so drastically in reconstruction and other ways, he could not find his treasure, and it remains somewhere in the castle to this day. 
Lep Castle has a long history of ghost sightings and legends of encounters with restless spirits. Family has murdered family, innocent blood spilled by political rivals. And during the era of Cromwell, entire battalions were massacred in the castle. So many paranormal investigators have visited the castle and so many encounters have been documented over the centuries. There is a whole list of entities said to haunt this location. One of the worst is the McMahon clan. It was a group of 40 men that were from a northern clan that came to help out the brutal O'Carrolls. The O'Carroll family had fallen behind in the new methods of warfare. They trained with them and then went and won a battle, only winning because the McMahon clan trained them. So, out of thanks, the O'Carrolls decided to throw a massive feast for them. However, all of the food was poisoned, and the people that helped them win their battle died in betrayal. For the simple reason that the O'Carrolls did not want to pay them. And their many ghosts have been seen all over Lep Castle over the centuries. Angry for revenge. The Murder Hole Room The Murder Hole Room, also known as the Muck Hole Room, has been reported as an incredibly haunted area of the castle by a former family member who ruled the castle, the Darbys. But the location of the Murder Hole Room has since been lost, or bricked up, or could be uh, a few possible locations in the current surviving castle that was remodeled over the centuries. One of the execution methods that the O'Carrolls liked was to just basically put somebody somewhere and then brick up a wall and leave them there to basically just starve slowly to death. So this room could be anywhere, but allegedly this room is actually known to the current owners of the castle. It's just kept a secret and no one is allowed to visit because it is so violently haunted by a member of the O'Carroll family who was murdered by a member of their own family for unknown reasons. The ghost is no repeating ghost or vague apparition, but unsafe to the point of the murder hole's room location being forbidden to all but a select few, and this is for the people's own safety. The Priest's House one of the most recent occurrences leading to one of the ghosts who dwell here occurred in 1922 when the priest's house on the property burnt to the ground, destroyed by the IRA. But apparitions were seen at the priest's house even before the burning. A monk with a tonsure and cowl walks in at one window and out the other in the priest's house. But shadow people within the house have been reported as well who open and close the curtains in plain view of eyewitnesses. People who stay in the house have reported something getting in bed with them that is very heavy and then snores next to them in the bed at night. The Bloody Chapel In 1922, construction workers discovered something macabre to the extreme in a hidden dungeon behind a wall in a location known as the Bloody Chapel. There was a deep hole with spikes at the bottom that apparently people had been thrown into for centuries. 150 skeletons were retrieved from the hole, and on one of the skeletons was a wristwatch dating back to the mid-1800s. So the hole was 
even being used to murder people up until not that long ago, all things considered. But one of the most horrible things to think about concerning the bloody chapel is that a lot of people probably didn't die right away after being impaled by the spikes and likely were there in excruciating pain for hours. Visitors to the castle feel an impression around the hole, as well as some feeling an incredibly powerful impulse <laughs> to jump into the hole. The ghost Thaddeus also haunts the chapel. He was murdered by his brother in the chapel in front of the whole family when doing mass and fell onto the altar, bleeding out from a stab wound that was inflicted by his brother. The murder occurred over a succession dispute over the fortress, but Thaddeus never got to leave the castle. This is traditionally thought to be one of the earliest ghosts who haunt that castle. And even when the castle was in a state of ruin in the past, people passing by claimed to see a light appear randomly in the chapel as if Thaddeus were still there going about his priestly duties. The Murdered Woman The ghost of the murdered woman is seen wandering throughout the halls, anxiously wearing little clothing despite the cold. When spotted or ran into around corners and the like, the woman will stop, and then she'll scream bloody murder and disappear. She's thought to have been a family member murdered by her own blood during the times of the O'Carroll rule of the castle in the 1500s sometime. The body language of the apparition presents fear of some coming threat, and her body jerks and is stiff in anticipation because of the threat that's coming from an unknown location. She jerks around, looking everywhere maniacally, before committing her blood-curdling screams. The Red Lady The Red Lady is one of the older hauntings of the castle going back to the more intense and brutal days of the O'Carroll clan. She's been haunting the castle for centuries. The woman stalks the castle in a red dress and has a knife raised in her hands as if to strike and is all around pretty menacing in appearance. This is one of the ghosts most people would rather avoid. There are two legends that surround the origin of the Red Lady. One says that she was captured from an enemy and that one of the O'Carroll men violated her, which resulted in the woman becoming pregnant. When she gave birth, the brutal O'Carrolls murdered her baby with a knife. She then grabbed the knife out of the killer's hand and turned it upon herself out of sorrow. The other tale says that when she was captured, the O'Carroll men were fighting over her or who would get her but she decided to run away when they were distracted in argument. But it ended up with the men stabbing her to death when they eventually did catch up with her, frustrated at her troubling them with the chase. The Governess and the Old Man The governess is sometimes referred to as the nanny, and she's been seen many times with two little girl ghosts, Emily and Charlotte, but she's been seen in random places all throughout the castle, with seemingly no single area that she's stuck in or linked to. The governess is probably one of the least frightening of the ghosts, though still unsettling. The old man, too, is pretty tame. 
He's just seen relaxing in an armchair by the fireplace in the main hall and vanishes without a trace and doesn't move around anywhere else in the castle or do anything frightening. Battlements of the castle are haunted by two little girls, Emily and Charlotte. The girls lived in the castle back during the 1600s and many have witnessed a girl thought to be Emily fall from the walls only to vanish before hitting the ground as if playing her death on repeat over and over over the years. After the apparitions fall, Charlotte, the other girl, appears, walking away from the battlements, dragging a deformed leg. But this is not the only area the girls are seen. Like I said, they have also been spotted in the main hall of Lep Castle, sometimes playing, sometimes crying, but a lot of times seen with the governess. The Elemental The Elemental is probably the most horrifying entity that haunts Lep Castle. Lots of ideas and legends surround the entity, with some saying it is a remnant from the time of the Druids. It was conjured by the Druids to protect the area, a divine site of their religion, long before the castle was ever built on top of it, and the Elemental was conjured to protect the sacred area. Another story is that Gerald Fitzgerald, Earl of Kildar, used black magic to summon the elemental there during his three failed attempts to take the castle by force, and the part of the castle that burned on the third attempt could have been caused by his elemental. The Earl was well known for his obsession with the occult and being a dedicated practitioner of magic. Local folklore says the elemental is a revenant of a member of the O'Carroll clan, which is why the thing looks so frightening and gives off a toxic odor. Mildred Darby, who lived in the castle during the 1800s, is said to have been an occultist. Her spiritual activities led to a direct encounter with the entity that she documented. Quote, Suddenly, two hands were laid on my shoulder. I turned around sharply and saw, as clearly as I see you now, a gray thing standing a couple of feet from me, with its bent arms raised as if it were cursing me. I cannot describe in words how utterly awful the thing was, its very undefinableness rendering the whole shadow more gruesome. Human in shape, a little shorter than I am, I could just make out the shape of big black holes like great eyes and sharp features, but the whole figurehead, face, hands and all was gray, unclean bluish gray, something the color and appearance of common cotton wool, but oh, so sinister, repulsive, and devilish. My friends who are clever about the occult things say it is what they call an elemental. All in all, the elemental is the most confrontational and malignant of the entities of Lep Castle, with any who challenge it usually encountering its horrific presence. Many have come to Lep Castle to study the entity over the years, but lately, the spirit seems to be mostly dormant.
Hi there. Thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third-party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show, but most of all, thanks for listening. Paveglia Island, Venice, also known as the Island of Ghosts. It was once a quarantine area for victims of the Black Plague, and it's easy to imagine the mistreatment and horrible conditions the plague victims lived under. In modern times, it is an unassuming island cut down in the middle by a canal with impressively artistic architecture. But going back to the 1300s, the island was a place of horror. The Black Death was the most fatal pandemic in human history and killed up to 60% of the entire population of Europe. And it didn't just die off after the infamous 1300s pandemic though. It continued coming back for centuries and the Island of Ghosts was there to quarantine the victims. The bodies were burned and the soil around the island is said to be made up of 50% of the cremated remains of those who died there. But it also became a mass burial site for all of Venice, with ships of the dead dropped off on the island to decompose over centuries and centuries. It was just basically the main graveyard. It is quite literally an island of the dead. The island continued to be a plague quarantine zone up until 1814. But the dark history of the island was far from over. In 1922, the island was turned into a mental hospital, the Povelia Island Mental Hospital to be exact, and the head doctor of the hospital was not there to help people. It did not take long for inhuman experiments to start taking place. In 1946, the asylum was dismantled. From old registries and documents, it appears that many patients requested a transfer from the hospital not because of the inhuman experiments, but because of the spirits that were oppressing them while they stayed there. The plague victims' ghosts would torment the patients at the asylum, as much as the doctors and staff, but the staff were less horrifying because they were human and alive. But being mentally ill, no one took their words and requests seriously and the doctors used it against them to make them look more insane to the public so they could continue their inhuman experiments on them. 
Lobotomies and mindless cries of anguish were a constant song within the hospital's corridors, but it was not only the patients that were tormented by these restless spirits, because accounts followed the staff of paranormal activity too. In fact, the head doctor is said to have been driven insane by the spirits and killed himself by jumping off the institution's bell tower. However, one nurse's account tells a different story, that his death was not caused by the fall, but by a misty cloud choking him. The Stanley Hotel, Estes Park, Colorado. The Stanley Hotel is probably famous, well, famous for the main reason, because it is the hotel that inspired The Shining, the book written by Stephen King. King stayed at the hotel because it was well known to already have a lot of paranormal activity back then, and there's tons of spirit folklore surrounding it. Over the hotel's hundred-year history, it has housed tons of people, including many famous ones. The most common ghost at the hotel is the man who built it, and who the place is named after, F.O. Stanley. He has been seen in a variety of locations over the years. His wife, Laura Stanley, also haunts the location and mostly manifests in the ballroom where she plays the piano. At some times, when people have heard the piano playing, they look in on it and see the keys moving, but no one is there. Room 407 is haunted by the land the hotel resides on's former owner, Lord Dunraven. His ghostly face has been seen by many from outside through the window when the room is not booked, but the spirit mostly just messes with the lights when people stay in the room. And actually, people have even gotten the ghost to respond to the request to stop messing with the lights when they ask. Room 418 is haunted by the spirits of children, who can be heard more than seen, but also get on the bed with people when they have stayed in the room overnight. Guests have complained that children in the hall keep them awake at night, or just complain about their noise in general, only to be surprised to be told that no children are booked in the hotel at the time. Stephen King claims to have seen the ghost of a child at the hotel who was calling out for his nanny. During his stay there, King had a horrible nightmare that his son was being chased down the halls of the empty hotel, screaming in horror, which inspired some aspects of The Shining. A man snapping photos of the grand staircase back in 2016 was surprised to find the apparent apparition of a woman in a black dress at the top of the stair, but there was no one or nothing there when he took the picture originally. Those in the spirit folklore of the hotel say the staircase is actually an area that has an energetic vortex 
that entities use to come and go and move throughout the hotel. The building is also built above huge amounts of concentrated quartz crystal and limestone, which some say supercharges the paranormal in its ability to manifest there. Room 217 is haunted by Mrs. Wilson, who was at one time the hotel's head housekeeper. She moves stuff around and can mess with people's belongings who stay there, but is mostly not frightening unless you sleep there with another but are not married to them, in which case that really pisses her off. So probably not a good idea to do that. Mrs. Wilson is very traditional. Room 401 has a closet that's haunted and opens up all on its own. It is said to be an aggressive male spirit that will touch women inappropriately, but only if they stay in the closet too long. Room 428 is haunted by the spirit of a man dressed like a cowboy, but he's thought to be friendly, though still creepy. His shadow appears at the foot of people's beds and in the corner of the room, and women staying in the room have woken up to his apparition, kissing their foreheads. Above this room is the roof, and it's slanted at an angle that would make it impossible for anybody to be up there moving around. But still, disembodied footsteps are heard on the roof and the sound of what seems like furniture moving around or something. Something heavy being dragged about. Xiaone, number 81, Beijing, China. This building in China is a strange anomaly because there is no record of who built it, where it came from, or what it was for. There are legends, though, and some people say they know. However, all of that is dubious. The thing that really raises the eyebrow is that homes like this with courtyards and is kind of classy. These type of homes in the city normally sell for way more than they're worth. Properties like this are worth a lot in Beijing. Still, no one will go anywhere near the Chaone number 81. According to legend, the home was built for British residents as a church during the 1800s. When the communists took over, a nationalist who was staying in the home, abandoned his wife, and she had to face the communists all by herself, and, in despair, hung herself in the rafters. And according to this urban legend, she still haunts the home to this day. Another legend says it was built by a British priest who vanished before the building was done being constructed, which shortly after, paranormal activity began. But it is true, backed up by evidence, that during the bloodbath of the communist takeover, the Red Guard staying at the home got scared off and ditched the place. But most of the history surrounding the building 
remains mysterious. Not that long ago, the Communist Party in China wanted to demolish the building, but when construction workers that they sent in mysteriously vanished without a trace, they halted the demolition. There are people who try to say that the building was, or what it is, but anyone who looks beyond face value can see these claims are inaccurate. According to historical records, there's really not much to work with. So anybody who claims to know is full of BS. Many of the records that would have helped in this mystery were destroyed during the Cultural Revolution by the Communists. What is factual is the respect everyone in China has for the building. Whether it is cultural superstition or something else, it is true to this day that there are many surviving superstitions in China, just like in any culture of the world. And despite the Chinese government putting a sign in front of the house saying, quote, this building is not haunted, which sounds fishy, and definitely something that you would put on a haunted house. But the locals understand why this house has been abandoned so long, and that's because it is inhabited by the deceased. People who live near Chao Nai number 81 have a lot of creepy tales to tell. There have been a plethora of unexplained disappearances linked to the home, and many have heard wailing screaming coming from it, which reach its highest volume at the peak of storms which is horrifying, locals say. Allegedly, there is a hidden crypt within that has a secret door that opens to a dark tunnel going to the northeast neighborhood. People who say that they are spiritually sensitive are overcome with a feeling of dread when they walk past the home, and the building is colder than it should be, especially at the door. It's colder at the door than anywhere else in the area, even if the surrounding area is shaded and it's cold outside, and anyone who enters confirms this abnormal cold, as well as a haunting presence. Quayabachu Forest, Romania. Some call Poyabachu the most haunted forest in the world, but it's probable that Aokigahara Forest in Japan would give it a run for its money. But one of the most interesting aspects of this haunted location is it's in Transylvania, the home of a lot of folklore in the Western world. Crooked trees, darkness, and thick mist awaits all who enter the forest. Restless spirits are rumored to torment the living. There are orbs, flickering lights, and glowing eyes from the darkness. And allegedly, the forest reacts differently to each individual person. Locals say the forest itself is alive and knows the intentions, fears, and character of each individual that steps within it. Strange disembodied voices have called out the hikers in countless documented occurrences. People have claimed to become sick for no reason upon entering 
and suffer attacks from invisible sources. People have claimed to have a paranoia instilled within them that just can't be ignored, a feeling that they are being watched or even stalked as if they were a prey to a predator. Long forgotten or repressed memories are brought to the surface, both bad and good, but alien to the conscious mind. The origins of the supernatural here are obscure. Archaeological evidence shows human settlements in the area dating back 8,000 years ago. So, this forest is pretty ancient. Legends of entire groups of peasants vanishing in this forest spread throughout Transylvania. The peasants leaving things behind as if they literally vanished out of thin air. Similar to the Croatoan vanishing, the colony that vanished. The peasants leaving behind everything as if they literally vanished out of thin air. But other tales of the unexplained would follow this forest throughout all human history. One of the earliest tales of this forest is the vanishing of a shepherd named Poyabachu, which is where the forest got its name. He and 200 of his sheep who entered were never seen again. And despite search parties scouring everywhere, he and his sheep left no clues to what happened to them. There was not even a single trace of them or a piece of evidence of what could have led to any possible conclusions concerning their vanishing and possible demise. Another famous tale is the Poyabachu forest girl who vanished into the woods only to reappear five years later as if no time had passed at all. And even more bizarrely, the girl had no memory whatsoever of where she'd been. At the center of the forest is the Poyabachu Forest Circle, which is a dead zone where no plants grow of any sort. Some say this is the source of paranormal activity in the forest, because literally nothing grows there for unknown reasons. When samples were taken from the soil in the circle, the results showed no abnormalities, and there is no logical reason why no plants or vegetation could grow there. Locals say the circle at the center of the forest is the home of spirits and should be avoided at all costs. It does sound a lot like fairy circles and fairy folklore, doesn't it? Legend says that the forest will only show its magic to those willing to sacrifice for the happiness of others, so some are more able to encounter the unexplained there visually and openly objectively whereas others it will be more subtle. The most common phenomena reported is a feeling of being watched, hearing unexplainable noises, or having interesting visages in your photography that was not there when you took the picture. However, it's not just ghosts, magic, and forest spirits that have been reported in this haunted forest. It's also a hotbed for UFO sightings and alien abductions. From 1950 to 1960, Alexandru Sift, a biologist, made several expeditions into the forest to scientifically document the strange crooked trees unique to the location. What he discovered existed outside of accepted scientific laws. Alexandru took many black and white photos during his trips, 
These photos captured shadow-like humanoid entities, as well as other things he couldn't explain, UFOs being among them. Later, Emil Barnia, a military technician who was fascinated by Alexandru's alleged discoveries in the forest, journeyed there for her own investigation with two friends. They didn't see entities, but they did encounter UFOs, including photographing some, which are some of the most credible images of UFOs ever taken. UFO sightings continued throughout the 70s and continue all the way up to the present day. Many locals believe the forest is a portal to other planes of existence, or a doorway to other dimensions entirely. Electronics glitch and malfunction in the forest, and other anomalies have led it to be named the Transylvanian Bermuda Triangle. They believe the forest is an area where the veil between worlds is thin, and the unexplained occurs to such high frequency, one should be extremely careful in Boyabachu, because the forest knows you're there, it knows you, and there's a good chance you won't make it back out. That's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed those horrible hauntings. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast hubs. You look for us and we're there. If you can, listener, please make sure to like, comment, review wherever you hear this content. It incredibly helps the show. And I'm going through kind of a rough patch right now and can really use any support that you guys can give me. And just liking or commenting or giving me a good review wherever you hear this really helps out the algorithm which will in turn help me and if you really like cryptic chronicles and you happen to be awesome then consider becoming a supporter for the show by doing so you can get uncensored episodes as well as episodes with no ads be able to choose topics where the show is going what stuff you want me to cover in the future things like that as well as even coming on to become a co-host if you want You'll also be able to get access to the shows months before they're ever released to the public. And they're pretty backed up there, so there's a lot to dig into. You can support the show through Patreon or Subscribestar. Just go to crypticchronicles.com and at the top, click on the Chronicler's Vault, and there you go. 
I really appreciate any support you can give. Thank you so much. And as always, I'd like to thank my current supporters, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Grodius, Sophia Owens, Scott Wellman, Beware the Q, Ashley Thompson, Matt Poland, Johnny Wick, Yale Adams, Danny Van Heck, Carnage, Jesse Leach, Austin Monday, Michael Graham, Ed Hawks, Trusty Old Senpai, Lux Lazarus, Brian Nolan, Jared, Matthew Lawson, Jismic, Space Coin, Gary Hetzel, Tom McClurney, Colton Spenner, Justin, Miyamoto Musashi, Jeremy Gross, and Psychic Terror. Thank you so much for supporting the show, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the greatest philosophers who ever lived once said, Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself.